From the offices of Courtney Dehoff, a.k.a. her apartment in Dallas, the cowgirl-turned-television host brings you the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. This podcast is where country and city living collide. Cowgirl Problems is dedicated to anyone who is trying to figure out what the heck they're doing with their life. It's for the cowgirls, cowboys, entertainers, and everyday hustlers sorting through all of life's problems. Buckle up. Here goes nothing. Welcome to the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. I am so excited to have my second guest of the podcast. I introduced and you. And best friend. You're ruining my intro. Just stop talking. Hold on one sec. My lawyer and, as he said, my best friend, Tucker Stewart, is joining the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. Hello. Hi, I, I'm Tucker. Question, if I'm not a cowgirl, can I still be on the Cowgirl Podcast? Yes, absolutely. And I am so glad that you asked that question because this is not just for cowgirls, it's for cowboys, it's for men, women of all walks of life, Tucker. So you bring- It's a gender gender neutral podcast. Thank you, gender neutral podcast. Okay, so Tucker, you are my lawyer. You're also my best friend, both equally as important. But first and foremost, do you remember where we first met? Mm, Angus Junior Nationals. Yeah. Do you like, do you remember the moment when we locked eyes and became best friends? Like that's all you have to say? I'm pretty sure you made fun of me in that moment, but I'll go with a soft yes. The more specific memory that I remember is when we were in the back of the truck and it was either your dad or one of the McCurry brothers that just turned around and said, does he ever shut up? I wasn't sure where that story was going. Yes, we were at a cattle show. We grew up showing cattle together. We were in the backseat going to the hotel. And I remember Brad just finally had had enough. And you don't. The answer is no. You don't ever stop talking. Even what are you doing? You're banging around. I told you you had to sit silently for at least 15 minutes. Sorry, I'm restless. Okay, fine. You know what? I'm going to sit down. Everyone who is listening is getting the authentic Tucker Stewart experience. And if you've ever met him, you fully understand that he will not be able to sit still for 15 minutes. But uh, first and foremost, Tucker, let's talk about um, kind of your family and where you came from. What is your story? Uh, Tell the audience. What is my story? Well, that is a fun one to tell, but uh, my entire life in Washington, Kansas on a cow-calf seed stock operation uh, that also has uh, diversified farming. And all my life, I showed cattle and did some high school sports, uh, got into livestock judging as my two brothers before me did, and my dad and uncle did. Uh, and so that was pretty much the, the direction I was at birth, probably, was livestock judging. Uh, but both my brothers went to Butler Community College. And so, of course, little brother me decided to, to follow in their footsteps and go there as well. Uh, I went there for two years. Obviously, it's a junior college and was an All-American Livestock Judge at Butler. And then went up to Kansas State University, where I got my major in animal science with kind of a pre-law option and a business option. Uh, Didn't really know exactly that I wanted to go to law school. It kind of just came about naturally. I had a lot of friends throughout junior college and senior college say, hey, Tuck, you'd be a good lawyer. You should check it out. And so uh, broke the bad news to the family, I suppose, and said, uh, I think I'm going to take the LSAT and think about going to law school. 
Um, at that point in time, my oldest brother was in vet school and my middle brother Brigham had already moved back home to start managing the ranch. And so, you know, I was faced with, uh, heading back home and, and, uh, trying to be a chief with my brother and my dad or, or kind of carving out my own path and in, in still a way that would, would benefit and help the operation back home. So, um, I took the LSAT and, uh, I still remember to this day, I, you, you can always do a bunch of practice ones. And the LSAT, the law school admissions test, isn't like normal tests. It doesn't really test your knowledge about anything. It tests how you think. And it, it, it's designed to, to determine whether or not you think like an attorney. And uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff out there, I suppose, that teaches you how to take the test. And, and the strategies and the logistics behind it. And, and so I did all that and was scoring fairly well in the, the practice exams. But obviously when the day came, I was just a little slower uh, than normal. I wasn't answering the questions as quickly as I had in my practice exams and uh, ended up not answering, I think somewhere around eight questions in the entire exam. And so I was on my way to the Denver uh, for the stock show. And my dad asked, well, how'd the, how'd the LSAT go? And I said, well, I, it, it went fine. I, I didn't get, you know, eight questions answered. So, so if I had to guess, I'd probably be sitting somewhere around a 153. And uh, sure enough, my results came in and I was right on the money. And my dad, dad's instant re response was, if you're smart enough to figure out the exact score you got on your LSAT, why didn't you get a better score? And uh, that resonated, um, but I, I didn't really have an answer for him. I, I guess I, I just knew how to take the test and didn't take it the way I was supposed to, <laughs> but ended up going to Washburn Law School where I started the uh, first student organization called the Washburn Agricultural Law Society. And it's still one of the, actually the most popular uh, student organizations at Washburn and, and has really helped refocus the school on agricultural law. Uh, so that in a long nutshell is where my path, uh, at least up until law school took me. Now that's so cool. And I think it's important for everyone to listen. Tucker is one of those people who, how long were you in Barbados? You went and studied in Barbados for like several weeks. I think all you did was party didn't you score the highest on like one of your papers or something? Yeah. Uh, my friends really didn't appreciate that about me, but uh, it was six weeks in Barbados, uh, two courses, I believe. One was international intellectual property law and the other one was comparative tax systems. Uh, first one, we studied a bunch of, uh, I guess, trade trade agreements dealing with uh, intellectual property. And the second one was comparing uh different countries tax structures a lot of folks really sat down and stressed themselves themselves out and and focused on studies and you know i had a mindset of gonna go to class after class i'm gonna spend a certain period of time working on what i need to get done for the next day and then i'm gonna go immerse myself in the culture <laughs> and and have a good time and i did that and did. it was me and one other kid <laughs> you actually came down and visited us. It was me and Conway. If you remember Conway, God, yes. I love that guy. Um, but but we were always, I mean, always running around Barbados. And when we got back, um, we were talking about grades. <laughs> and I said, 
Well, I got top paper in both classes, and and Conway looked at me and he was pissed because he got A's in both those classes and they'd only given out two A's. And so we know that the two of us that, you know, essentially messed around the entire time and had a good time were the top two in the, the classes down there. You know, you're the type of person that people really don't care for sometimes. You're brilliant. You have a good time. You, I've never, I have partied fairly hard with you. You never are hungover. Like you're just one of those annoying people that just, you know. It's, it's coming to catch up with me a little bit. You know, <laughs> I don't go as hard as I used to, Courtney. I'm, I'm, I'm reserved now to mostly the weekends. Oh, just the weekends. I don't even go out on the weekends. I'm in bed by 8 p.m. You know this. Um, okay, let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, so you decided to go into law. Was it hard to not go back to the ranch? Do you ever regret it? I mean, was it hard for your family to hear that, hey, I'm sort of taking this like different career path? You know, I, I think it was, um, you know, part of my success and what I'm doing now is being a people person and, and having that ability to kind of read, read others. And, and, you know, when I initially told everybody, you could, you could see, you know, that there was, there was apprehension. Um, I don't know if it would go so far as to disappointment, but there was definitely apprehension, apprehension. Um, and, and I can relate to that. you know, my, my family and my dad, you know, years of building the ranch, you know, for, for the next generation to take it over. And, and, uh, you know, my brother's doing a good job of that. So, so, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, I, I sometimes wish I went back home to the ranch and, and was intimately involved with the everyday work. Um, but at the same time, the, the path that I took to where I'm at now um, has led me to be impactful for not just the ranch at home, but many other ranches across the state and across the nation. Um, sometimes a little bit of a thankless job, um, but that's okay. That's, you know, that's, that's part of it. You know, you're, you're doing this uh, for the industry and not necessarily for yourself. I guess I should explain what I actually do. <laughs> yes, yeah. You don't just read um, entertainment contracts that I con you into reading. You actually do something else. So explain what you do with KLA. When I was in law school, I had three main or two main internships. One was with the Department of Ag and the other one was with Dairy Farmers of America. Uh, two awesome entities and I learned a lot in, in both experiences. Uh, but right after... I graduated from, from law school. Uh, one of the attorneys at the Livestock Association uh, had quit, and uh, um, I was solicited to, to put my uh, resume in and, and ultimately got that job, and, and it's been a really, really unique position. So I wear a number of different hats for the KLA, um, mostly in their legal and government affairs team. So legal being members call in with with questions and I can give them legal advice. Uh, government affairs means I'm up at the state house in Kansas every day during the legislative session advocating for farmers and ranchers uh, and, and the policies that they want to see or don't want to lose uh, in, in the state house. Uh, we also work very intimately with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association in uh, Washington, D.C. On, on federal issues. Uh, and we have really, really good relationships with 
our entire Kansas congressional and senatorial de delegation. Uh, so I work with a, a lot of politicians from a lot of different walks of life, um, trying to, to trying to convince them uh, not to harm the farmer and the rancher, and, and really trying to educate them about what agriculture and the livestock industry is all about. I love that. You know, you, you left the ranch and like you said, maybe there was some apprehension with your family, which is, you know, super common for all of us, for those of us who have left and, and decided to follow different career paths, but you're still giving back to the agriculture industry. You're still advocating. And I think that that's what makes your job um, so cool? What do you love? Like, what do you love the most? Like, honestly, like if I were a lawyer, I think I would love the most just getting to say, I'm a lawyer to people. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I'm a lawyer. But what do you love the most? Well, you'd be surprised. Usually when you say I'm a lawyer, they follow up with, oh God. Really? And then tell tell me, you know, their best lawyer joke, but I can always beat them on lawyer jokes. <laughs> you know, you know what you call a, a bus full, full of lawyers at the bottom of the ocean, right? Tell me. A good start. Oh, Lord. It's morbidly funny. Okay. It's morbidly funny. funny. What do you? Because I'm making fun of myself, Courtney. Okay. Oh God. What do you? No. Like, Let me you, take this as a W. Fine. You win. Your joke was not hilarious. Um, what do you love most about what you do? Probably the interactions with with people. Uh, as you could probably tell through this podcast, um, I like interacting with with people, whether it be the agriculturalist or uh, the city dweller. Or, or the politician, I, I think uh, uh, my positive attributes as an attorney is, is communicating with folks that might not necessarily understand uh, the other side of the story or the opposite perspective. Um, something probably lacking in a lot of politics today is the ability to put yourself in your opposition's shoes and at least understand their argument and where they're coming from. Because if you can understand their argument, if you can understand why they have the opinions that they do, it makes it easier for you to disarm, you know, their argument and, and put your argument at least into their mind um, and really encourage them to see something from a different perspective. Um, you never really want to come in bullheaded to somebody and just say, you know what, you're wrong, I'm right, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, politics has never was never intended to work that way. It was always intended for compromise and, and, and having uh, the ability to, to effectively communicate your position to and with people um, really lends, I guess, to, to what I do. <laughs> no, I think that's so great. And I, I think that is the absolute best advice for everyone. Those of us who are not lawyers, I see it all the time. If we would just stop and try to see the other side of issues and rather than just, you know, getting mad or defensive or calling someone an idiot, if we would just like sit down and engage and have a conversation and really try to understand where they're coming from, my God, I think life would just be so much easier. Definitely agree. What is the most common misconception about lawyers? Uh, that we're liars. Mm. That honestly is the, the, the largest misconception is that, that lawyers are untrustworthy and that they are outright liars. I don't know where that, 
Now, why do you think that is? You know, it's 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 a good question. It's it's one of the things that the legal industry has battled probably since the dawn of time, where probably people don't know this, but lawyers are bound by a an ethical code that is actually enforced by our respective bars in, in each state. And so if you don't abide by this code of ethics, you could actually lose your license. And, and it's changed over time some, but some of the core ethical requirements have always been there. And, and there's this inherent conflict, I guess, between uh, being a zealot advocate for your client and still having the duties of candor to the court. Conception of us being misleading or liars has been from those attorneys that blindly, I guess, advocate for their clients. Interestingly enough, let's say I'm a criminal defense attorney and I'm advocating for the release of a person who was allegedly murdered somebody who has been charged with murder. Now, as an attorney, I can zealously advocate for that person. I can create doubt in a jury's mind. I can say my client did not commit this murder. But as soon as that client tells me, yeah, I did it. I committed that murder. The way you advocate for your client narrows. It becomes significantly narrow because at that point, ethically, I can't go in front of a court and, and advocate that my client did not commit the murder. That would be violating your duty of candor to the court. But you still have that duty to zealously advocate for your client. So what can you do in those circumstances? It, it becomes limited. You know, you have to, to look at more procedural things. So if anybody's out there ready to commit murder, uh, <laughs> I would recommend not telling your attorney that you did it. Uh, because that will kind of hamstring his ability to send you in court. Solid advice. Thanks for that. You know, that's so interesting, though. And <laughs> Actually, you... can I twist that a little bit, though? Just don't murder people. <laughs> legal advice, don't murder people. We would like to both go on the record. We are not advocating for anyone to murder anyone. But as you were talking, I'm thinking, you know, I think that as a society, we've had this picture of lawyers painted. Think about TV shows and movies. It's like the why lawyers are, you know, like living in the wild west, you know? I think that part of it is just the culture that we live in. I mean, I had I had no idea that, you know, if a client admitted they did it that you could not then in a in a courtroom say my client did not commit. I mean, I, you know, people don't know, and I think that's so interesting. And I'm so glad that you kind of explained that. This is so fun. I, I'm learning things about you. How long have we known each other? 20 years probably, give or take a few. Yeah, we've known each other for Before we were both drinking beer, let's be honest. Let's rephrase that. We have known each other since before we were legally allowed to be drinking beer. We were not good influences for one another. This has been awesome. Okay, last thing I want to do before I let you go, kind of like just a fun rapid fire. I want you to just say the first thing that comes to mind. I just have a couple of like little questions. Are you, are you ready? Are you prepared? You're a lawyer. You should be able to do this. All right. If you had to choose one team, K-State football or Chiefs football? Why would you ask me that question? Because you I know, know I you. can't choose between Mahomes and climbing right now. I just can't do it. Okay, you have to choose. Fine, Chiefs, because I got the season tickets. All right, fair enough. Favorite place you've ever traveled? Barbados. Pretty much the only place I've ever traveled, traveled outside the country. Love. Barbados is fabulous. Uh, favorite lawyer joke? You already told us one. Tell us a different one. The other ones aren't, aren't appropriate, so I'll just pass. Can, I, can, can pass be an acceptable answer? really you're a failure at this okay okay, okay fine is, is this is this a 
G-rated or a, you know, kind of like PG-16 rated podcast? This can be PJ, P, PJ. This can be PG-16. I'll edit it out if it's too, um, if it's too crass. So go okay. for it. What's the difference between a lawyer and a catfish? I don't know. One's a scum-sucking bottom dweller and the other's a fish. That was funny. These jokes aren't funny. Not that inappropriate. No, I I be considered inappropriate. We're in a PC culture, Courtney. You never know what's going to offend somebody. This is true. And as a lawyer, you have to be very careful about what you say. Um, Okay. (laughs) Do you have a favorite quote? What comes to mind? Favorite quote, go. Inspire us. Ooh. Uh, It's probably not my favorite quote, but it's the one that's popped into my head the most recently from uh, Yellowstone. Oh, yes. Remember that series? Lawyers are the warriors of this century. Words are weapons now. Oh, I love that. That's so good. What was that from this season? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John told that to Jamie when he broke the news that Jamie couldn't stay on the ranch anymore and had to go to Harvard. Oh, I, I'm not a fan of Jamie. I, I love you. You're a lawyer. Not a fan of Jamie. I don't like him. I think he's a snake. Um, yeah, I sympathize with him because his entire family manipulated him into being who he is. So. That's on his family, not on him. Well, okay, let's rephrase. Your family has not manipulated you to do anything. No, not mine. John Dutton. Yes, yes. Yellowstone. The Duttons manipulated poor Jamie into being who he was. Oh, God. Poor Jamie. God bless him. Okay, last thing. What are you, is there anything you're loving right now? We talked about Yellowstone. Are you listening to any podcasts? Are you watching any other shows? Do you have a favorite song? Tell me everything. I am kind of in between a lot of things right now. Uh, I just wrapped up Carnival Row on Amazon Prime. What is it about? I've never heard of it. Let's say it's like Lord of the Rings met Game of Thrones almost. Oh, met now, poli- now. Met, meets, pol- meets politics. So it's a oh. little bit like fantasy and politics and immigration. It, it, it's really neat. With Orlando Bloom, everything with he, him is, is usually pretty good. That sounds horrible. I'm going to pass on that. That was wonderful. You might like it. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. My last and final question. How's your love life? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that <laughs> I will, podcast. I will murder you. Remember <laughs> when I said don't murder people? You can now murder, murder Courtney. So it's going well. I guess we'll read between the lines. Things are going great. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm doing fine as a, as a person. You know, my love life is just kind of non-existent at the moment. So uh, taking applications, it'll uh, be a lot like The Bachelor, ladies. Oh, God. You and me both. You could have your own reality show. Oh, Lord. Well, we both could. <laughs> it's fine. Tucker, thank you so much for joining me. People can follow you on Instagram at Tuck Stew. You have a Facebook page. Uh, the name of your family's operation is Mid-Continent Farms, if you want to check it out. FYI, Tucker's actually the second funniest person in his family. His father actually might be the funniest human I've ever met. So you might want to follow him. I'm going to get Greg on the podcast. Oh, that's a great idea. I should have asked him. I mean, you were fine, but. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Tucker, thanks for having me. All right. Love you, Courtney. You keep it classy down there in Dallas. And I'll see you the next time you're up here in Kansas City. Sounds great. Hey, don't hang up. I'm just going to stop recording.